This week on the podcast, another nonprofit news feed for the week of March 8th, 2021. Hey, Carisha. Hey, Nick. Thanks for joining us. George, always fun to be on the pod. All right. So we're covering nonprofitnewsfeed.com summaries of the most information, most interesting information that we have found in the nonprofit sector. You want to kick us off, Nick? Sure, George. I can kick us off. So the most important story of the week is the House and Senate's uh, passage of the uh, the Biden administration's COVID relief bill. This is one of the, the largest and most progressive pieces of legislation in modern American political history and is really going to change the game uh, when it comes to providing a safety net for those most vulnerable and uh, continuing to recover from the pandemic. I highly suggest that our Listeners read more about the bill. Um, it seems like every day news organizations pick up on on more and more aspects that uh, you know can really make a difference for people. But some of the top line takeaways from this bill uh, is an expansion of unemployment benefits, uh, an expansion and broadening of definition for nonprofit organizations eligible for PPP, pay tax protection loans. Um, this bill goes to support vaccine distribution, fiscal relief for states. Uh, it provides additional protections around housing, paid leave, access to health care through the Affordable Care Act marketplace. George, this is a monstrous piece of legisla- legislation, and I'm really hoping and optimistic that it has the power to do a tremendous amount of good. And then also not just for your stakeholders, because like if you're dealing with health, housing, if you're dealing with elderly, elderly care, if you're dealing with paid family leave, like no matter what you're dealing with, if you are a nonprofit dealing with other human beings and trying to make the world better in this country, this bill will in some way, shape or form touch you. And even if those aren't the direct areas, the 501c3s and the PPP and opening up to like C4s, C6s and like see whatever you can possibly think it seems like do the research and see if your nonprofit is eligible for another round of ppp uh payment protection loans uh that that were rolled out last year and um, more and more nonprofits are, are eligible now for it so wow there's a lot coming in that monster bill right all right what else do we got nick great um so this is an interesting story george out of san francisco it seems as if the city of san francisco is paying upwards of sixty-one thousand dollars to provide a tent for an individual experiencing homelessness for a year the tent shelters uh, are provided by the city in response to the threat of covid 19 exposure and increasing pressure to address systemic homelessness but the city's uh, structure here and system is not eligible for federal reimbursement. I think they were hoping to get assistance from FEMA that they that they are not going to get. But George, it brings up lots of really challenging questions about how government addresses homelessness. Maybe nonprofits are better and more are better able to handle this at, at a lower cost. But it seems like a, a perfect storm of just kind of bureaucratic inefficiency and a really tough situation, especially regarding homelessness in San Francisco. There are so many angles at this, and it's not just, you know, it's a top line headline grabber. If you're talking about a tent in a parking lot costing the city taxpayers, the taxpayers of San Francisco, because it doesn't qualify for federal support on this. So that's another reason why local residents are frustrated. 
it really puts it into sharp relief of what you're getting. Now, so the thing here is like the average per night cost, $190 is actually 82 less than what the city would pay to shelter somebody in their homeless hotel program. But they they didn't bid this out. So it's like, it's already wildly expensive, right? It's even more expensive to put them in a hotel in their current program, which speaks to a larger problem. But when you really think about a tent and like the fact that people are still, you know, sort of at risk, it's uh, a safe city program, but they didn't put it out to bid. And your point about nonprofits is well taken. When you don't put it out to bid and you don't let, you know, creative solutions come forward, safe solutions that that might work while keep in mind, yes, they're providing services and food as a part of that. So it's like, you know, an Airbnb parking lot. I, it's not clear, but we talked to our friend at Smaltimore Homes who was putting up a house for $2,000. Four walls, small, but it could have been done. Call her up. She was on the podcast, right? There are more innovative solutions out there, but this is, you know, just an amazing amount of money to be spent for, frankly, not providing the level of security and safety that, that could have been. It, it's, it's something that I hope continues to be in the news. It's something that I hope rallies more innovation from the nonprofit sector because I don't know, 61K for a tent, write them a check and let them get a room. That's two and a half, two and a half times the median price of a one bedroom in San Francisco. Give them half the amount, go get your own apartment and let that solve. Like it, it boggles the mind and the amount of ways it's confusing that it got done um, and involves and should involve far more investigation. And I may be trying to, we, we should maybe chase down some more people. I'm trying to find more people to talk about this and explain it. I'm trying to see it from all angles, but it's a big ticket. Caught our attention. I'm also based on the West Coast, so maybe it's louder for me. All right, that's enough. That's enough range. <laughs> what else do we got, Carisha? Sure. Going down our summary of top headlines. Um, our first story, nonprofit aims to teach gamblers which betting sites are legal or not. Um, and this is coming from a local news source in Atlantic City. Um, a nonprofit named Conscious Gaming is trying to spread awareness about which sites um, are legal in specific states and ones that are also safe to use. Sports are continuing to thrive and are continuing to air. And with that comes bets on which sports team is going to win and which sports team is not. Um, and with casinos closing um, in light of social distancing, a lot of people are turning to online gambling. Um, and this nonprofit, Conscious Gaming, is trying to protect people's identities um, from identity theft and then also outright just weird, funky sites taking your money and not <laughs> doing what it's supposed to do. Um, so an interesting take, but also helpful for people who partake. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad about Whole Whale University. This is our best online content packaged in courses. We're talking SEO, content marketing, Google ad grants, cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use. You can buy them individually or as an annual subscription. Uh, we really put our best work in here. And if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover, we go a mile deep with these courses. That's wholewhale.com slash university. Yeah, I think this falls out of the 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 window in which I can be be attacked for it. But I may or may not have gambled on some of these less uh, reputable sites at certain times in in the very very distant past. Over a decade ago, I'll have anybody know. <laughs> but the point being is, there's going to be an increased amount of gambling verified sites downloadable, like in app stores, even on on Google and even on Apple that are that are coming out in in short order. And 
I think it's interesting when nonprofits step up in this sort of regulatory protective way um, to, to sort of at least provide some level uh, of safety security. More news in our story. Nonprofits, nonprofits welcome billions in pandemic giving, but wonder if support will last. Um, we saw with Giving Tuesday that tons and tons and tons of donations, even beyond our expected numbers, were given in giving last year, um, according to philanthropy.com, about $20.2 billion last year, more than double the amount given to the previous top 10 disaster combined. Um, so lots of money are giving, lots of money are being put into nonprofits, but people are worried that this trend won't continue. Um, we have a quote here from Regine Webster, Vice President at the Center for Disaster Philanthropy. They say the dollars that have been donated are staggering, just staggering. So it's really bringing... Uh, attention to if this trend will last, um, if nonprofits can continue to uh, bank on these donations when they really need it. Part of me is hoping that we can move away from the hyper-focused giving of pandemic mindset into mm -hmm. the holistic look of a sector that's inclusive of 1.7 million nonprofits, uh, especially in the light of what we just talked about with 1.9 trillion being pushed out and printed into the uh, printed into the world, not even printed, you just press buttons now. <laughs> but the pandemic giving versus really social motivated giving, um, you know, we had an unprecedented giving Tuesday, and I think uh, there's gonna be a lot more cash out there floating around. So I really hope it's a, it's an amazing year for nonprofits, uh, not just uh, designated in, in the pandemic category. Right. And you even think about the long lasting effects of COVID. If people become fatigued of this messaging, despite it really having those long lasting effects, it'll make, really make you think about um, how people can gather those donations. The drop in urgency is noted, right? Like you were exactly right. The value of the fact that, you know, roughly a, a third of Americans consider this like are very concerned right now based on polling uh, still about the, the threat of COVID that's going to drop as we get to closer herd immunity uh, on the vaccine, which means the message is gonna resonate less because frankly, people aren't gonna be primed with as much fear and therefore less perceived urgency, lower donation or lower trigger on donation when that ask is being made. So that's a, yeah, Krish, that's a, that's a practical view, isn't it? Yeah, a tough one. Um, more nonprofit news. Uh, our next headline, how Bill and Melinda Gates seek to reverse declines in the ranks of small donors from inside philanthropy. Um, basically, they're seeing drops in individual donors, um, which is a little bit concerning, especially for organizations that may not be able to get big grants or government funding to do the work that they need to do. Um, so they're really turning their attention to uh, individual giving, low or mid-level tiers of giving. Um, and trying to figure out why exactly that's happening. Yeah, I really am looking forward to like the USA giving data that comes out annually about like, here's a holistic view of what happened in the last year. It takes a long time to get those data, but to analyze the, those giving trends, uh, I think you may see nuances of uh, increased direct person-to-person -person giving potentially. You know, sites like GoFundMe really championing this like, hey, bypass everything else, just give your money here. Um, you know, it's still small in the grand scheme of overall giving, but uh, I, I can see some of that stuff rising up also on Facebook where you create a fundraiser for a nonprofit or, hey, fundraise for yourself, your own issue, you know, like and people can give directly. And so it's a disintermediation of uh, basically people who need help, the people who have access to the megaphones and the people with the wallets. 
maybe a maybe a trend at that level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then our last headline, um, I would say a more feel good headline from our summary: Netflix commits a hundred million for creative equity. Um, this is really exciting. Basically, Netflix is launching hundred million dollars um, to support the next generation of storytellers from from underrepresented communities. Um, and this is particularly exciting. Netflix is one of the biggest streaming uh, platforms there. That's personally where I watch a lot of my own TV. Um, so for people who are growing up in the streaming world to be able to see stories that represent them um, is really great. I'll say like you usually like kind of overlook these like corporate gifts of like so-and-so company like donates this much for, for this or that um, unless they're in the like super large numbers. But I think the, the fact that it's not just Netflix giving the money here, which yes, is awesome, but it's the platform and access to the platform, right? That's what we're talking about. Cause frankly, if it were, you know, go back, Bill and Melinda Gates, give a hundred million to, you know, uh, BIPOC type of producers, that's mm-hmm. not giving them access to the market. Whereas it's great to see uh, these types of platforms uh, do that and hopefully puts pressure on, other, you know, similar, similar, you know, fill in the blank branded plus uh, subscription, uh, subscription sites and online streaming to, to offer that type of opportunity. Right. In our opinions and resources, one story that we really want to highlight um, is this headline, the pandemic needs its smoky bear, um, which I think is one very interesting headline <laughs> from the New York Times. But you also think about um, their byline here. Instead, it has nearly empty hotels for COVID patients in London, celebrities in masks, and no public health message that has broken through. Um, And you really think about uh, the media coverage of COVID over the past year, is it now or in March, Um, and thinking about how there really hasn't been kind of this one sounding voice about information about it, about COVID and the precautions that you can take. Um, So an interesting point, I think, and a more, even more interesting headline. (laughs) I think I figured, I did a little brainstorming. Mm -hmm. What about stabby bear? Just a happy little bear running around stabbing elderly children, just jabbing you with needles. I think they should consider it stabby the bear. No the, actually, it's important to note, there's no the in Smokey the bear, it's Smokey bear. So this should be in turn, stabby bear. Can someone please make stabby bear? Honestly. I think you need to go to the drawing board with that one. Watch it become a meme. I'd be so happy. I'd be so pleased with myself. Um, Hold on. I think this is an important note because what's going to happen, and this is something to prepare for your nonprofit communications and strategy as well in the coming three to six months, probably closer to three, as we reach an amount of vaccines that supply outstrips demand, in which case we have a different virus. It's an idea virus, the idea that you don't need a vaccine, the idea that you have no concern anymore because the number of uh, deaths and concern, remember when we were talking about that same polling, that same polling talking about how many people are concerned or not very concerned, roughly a third of people are not very or not at all concerned about this virus. And that number is probably only gonna go up as we, come closer, but not quite to herd immunity. So it's going to be probably more and more prevalent where we're talking about pockets of people uh, based on, you know, a number of different reasons and, and objections uh, that that will need a, um, maybe not stabby bear, but a, a good public service announcement and maybe multiple different types based on communities. Uh, 
but this is definitely something we will see more of, and we expect nonprofits to be a big part of. So we do have the feel good, the feel good story, um, Nick, which you you gave to me. You sure you want to give this gem to me? I'll give it to you, George. Take it away. <laughs> okay. So in the feel good stories, we have a non fungible Doge. Uh, so an NFT with images of the iconic meme, the Doge, uh, Doge being the little, uh, I think it's a Shiba dog, but anyway, it's an iconic view of uh, a meme online, but being turned into an NFT, a non-fungible token that is currently taking over the digital art world, where you see uh, announcements even of uh, various things going for millions of dollars online. It's digital art, but it's basically on the blockchain so you can prove ownership. So right now, why we're covering it is because this is a, you know one that recently launched um, where 10% of funds uh, are being sold. 10% of funds are going to go to save the children. And a quick shout out also here to the giving block that is sort of the engine underneath this, allowing uh, for this type of transaction to occur and help the, the nonprofit earn money from these uh, pixelated doges with various expressions. And so this is far from the last time I think we're going to be talking about it. There's an NFT craze going on right now. And we like seeing some of that funny money go toward causes that matter. I think I got to get one. They're a little pricey. For the culture, you have to do it. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And it could be an expensive habit. Alrighty. Thank you so much. As always, nonprofitnewsfeed.com. And you can find resources for and links on all of these on the site, ol.com slash podcast. Awesome. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 